is your boy, the Puerto Rican powerhouse, the Puerto Rican cow, you the mic for hire, the podcast mercenary, Christian Joel Ramos, back at it again with another review, and today on CJR Media Reviews, we're reviewing the Disney original film, Jungle Cruise. Now, Jungle Cruise is a 2021 American fantasy adventure film directed by Jamu Colette Serra from the screenplay by Glenn Vaccara, John Recca, and Michael Green based on Walt Disney's theme park ride, the attraction of the same name, Jungle Cruise. It's produced by Walt Disney Studios. The film stars Dwayne The Rock Johnson, Emily Blunt, Jack Whitehall, Jesse Plemons, and Paul Giamatti. Uh, and it follows the captain of a small riverboat who takes scientists and her brother through a jungle excursion, I guess you can say, in search of what's called the Tree of Life. Now, the Tree of Life is, it seems to be this folkloric, South American, almost like the El Dorado uh, quest that they've seen in fantasy films before, or the Raiders of the Locks Ark with the Ark of the Covenant, that kind of lore of ancient history. So the whole film is essentially this uh, Indiana Jones slash, uh, <laughs> my gosh, it feels like a lot of films in one. Like it takes pieces of, well, let's just start with the plot. In 16th century, um, here and Europe, because it's about Spain going to the New World, so 16th century um, Europe, these guys named Don Aguirre, who's on his way to South America in search of the Tears of the Moon. It's a mythological tree that uh, its petals has uh, this great mass that can apparently cure illness. So the sap of this, these trees and, and leaves can cure any illness and, and heal and the injured, all that stuff. It lifts curses too, apparently. But uh, after many conquistadors died on the trek to South America, a local tribe heals the survivors with the tree petals itself. So the tribal chief refuses to reveal the secret location of this tree. And Aguirre, Aguirre it's hard to say in English, Aguirre, Aguirre, stabs him and destroys the village and thus he is cursed so the dying chief curses this man who is in search of this infinite resource at first he wanted it for his daughter who was very ill felt ill back in spain and he was going to return and heal her but because he is he let his desperations and greed take over he screwed himself over you know, let's be honest he could have easily gained the chief's trust and gotten the leaves for himself for his kid but he wanted the whole tree this is what happened with greed and corruption curse so in doing so he cursed his whole crew and they're stuck in this jungle and have become part of the jungle meaning they can leave the radius of the river or they are dragged back by mother nature itself now off the bat this film gives me pirates of the caribbean vibes like the first pirates of the caribbean how it was such a freaking like amazing uh new thing and this definitely has that same new feel to it plus this film had an amazing ensemble cast with Edgar Ramirez who plays the role of Don Aguirre Paul Giamatti who plays this uh, shyster uh, boat dock owner who's trying to shake down Dwayne Johnson's character who's uh named Frank and Frank is his uh well, Frank Wolf is his alias he's a shrewd cynical uh conniving <laughs> ultimate uh sh shady person that owns a steamboat uh, and he reluctantly agrees to guide explorers in this quest. That's Emily Blunt and Jack Whitehall's characters. So, Emily Blunt and Jack Whitehall's characters of Lily and um, McGregor, they're siblings who come from um, aristocracy. They're elite um, British folk who are on the search for this uh, tree of life because uh, she's in medicine and she has a noble purpose to find a tree of life's 
great leaves and share it with the scientific community. But the issue with the scientific community is this is a sexist old guard. They don't want any women in their ranks. Very much an all boys club in London. And even her brother, who can get an invitation there, he's not a scientist, he's just a guy, a very nervous Jervis. And he's there trying to bring in her um, her essay to read and so they can actually hear it, but they catch wind of it. They're like, wait a minute, we've heard this essay before. It was a female who brought, who brought this in. You are just covering for her. And it's a funny thing because that's when it starts a little thing where she is stealing an artifact from this collective. But little did she know the artifact she stole was actually already bought by one Prince Joachim, a deranged and ambitious German royal, and he finances the Leeds and military expedition to claim the Tree of Life. So while he is searching the Tree of Life for power for Germany at the time, now this is pre, I think this is around Nazi Germany or pre-Nazi Germany, so World War One Germany, and um, she is meets up with this character, this shady character in the hall as she's trying to break into the uh, artifact room, and. It's a funny thing because it's like you meet the antagonist before you actually meet the antagonist in battle. It's, so this is the battle of the wits, you would say. And um, she sneaks in and she takes out the scientific community and escapes narrowly with uh, this prince, Joachim, almost killing her as he, she's on a ladder outside the window. And luckily her brother's down there and sees a, a double-decker bus and stops it in time so she can fall into the bus for her safety. And it's... Again, whimsical, adventurous. Um, by the way, this Prince Joachim, he is uh, crazy. He kills. He doesn't care. He has no remorse. Uh, this man will kill to cover his base. And then when we go to South America, presumptually Brazil, we meet Paul Giamatti's character of Nilo Ne Molato, a crusty harbor master who manages the port in Porto Velho. And when Frank docks his boat there, he confiscates Frank's boat engine because Frank is unable to pay his dues because he owes money to this uh, Don Nilo. So it's a fun story where Frank is reluctantly taking these English tourists all the way to one of the most dangerous parts of the Amazon in search of this fake tree, you know, this tree, this ancient tree that's in myths. And boy gosh so we know there's a scene where they're in a bar and they're trying to escape oh she thought that frank was mr nilo because he was breaking into nilo's room to get his keys back for his boat and as he was doing so he had to play the role that he was mr nilo but then he gets caught eventually in the bar downstairs because the real mr nilo pops in and then you got this uh, almost like standoff until a jaguar comes out of nowhere and attacks the the patrons at the bar and then this is where Frank leaves into action and fights off the Jaguar so that he's able to distract them and get out of there and little did you find out when you go back in the boat this is after everyone has this moment of oh my gosh oh my gosh killed by this Jaguar this wild animal you realize that actually no this Jaguar is domesticated to a point because it is Frank's <laughs> pet or companion so he's again more hustling more lying this guy is nothing but full of shadiness now Dr. Lily Houghton she does not take this nonsense seriously she doesn't trust this man she can't toss trust him as far as she can throw him but she is an eccentric adventurous virtuosus botanist uh, she embarks on this journey to find the tears of the moon for again this is to help people she wants to bring back herbs to the scientific community the medical community so they can find cures for ailments that they don't have yet so she can a breakthrough in science and medicine right there 
and that's what her noble cause is. And Frank's like, oh, you're one of those people. Like, it's nice to see there are some so good people left in the world, but you're daydreaming way too much. There's no reality in this. But even after her society denies her, um, because they don't believe that this tree is a... <laughs> real and the scientists are very much seeing this superiority complex about Dr. Lily Houghton being so outspoken and very modern for this time. But she goes straight ahead with the arrowhead that she stole and evading Prince Joachim like I said previously, this guy is just a strong man that just takes him out in, in time and they go when they head off into the riverbanks. So she wants to prove herself equal to these chauvinist peers, but also gain some extra attention due to her wearing pants. Now, that might seem very silly in 2021, but we're talking about the early, somewhere around the 19th and 20th century. I can't really tell, but I'm assuming closer to the 20th century because it seems a little more modern than it looks. But let's just say somewhere around like 19 something or eight, late 1800s, early 1900s. And this is where the, she stands out like a sore thumb to Frank because he's so old school. And he calls her pants as a nickname. So that's just a funny little jab that he has for her apparently. But she doesn't take offense to it. She's like, whatever, I'm gonna prove you wrong. See, instead of her getting offended, she likes to prove people wrong. Like she does not take anything from anyone. She can take on any of these guys in any day. And she holds her own, so I'm not gonna lie. I'm not gonna front. She definitely stands out as a very empowered woman and a great lead, co-lead. Yeah, I guess she's the lead of this film because as much as The Rock has the name value in this film, he's more of the sidekick than he is the main character because even though he does have a lot of action sequences, he kind of seems uh, more like the muscle and of the team than more of the brains. And she, and then her brother Jack is this funny, like, wimpy guy. When I say wimpy, he's like, he is called that, not that I think he's a wimp. No, he's a wimp, he's a coward. <laughs> he's this wimpy dude who's got, like, too much clothes this trip and overdressed. He's very flamboyant and very proper and prim and posh, but where his sister's more of the gung-ho sleeves up and let's get into action and that's where we get this dichotomy of like she is the more outgoing one and he's more the reluctant one same family tree different branches <laughs> so this is where things get really fun so inside frank's cabin uh Liddy no lily notices photos and sketches of modern inventions as well as maps and drawings of research stuff that she knows from tears of the moon and she's curious like why frank has all stuff if he's so against going there so she accuses him of seeking this tree for himself and that's why he doesn't want to show them because he is doing it for his own game but he insists he gave up his journey years ago like literally decades ago or more um he just says that these this whole thing is just gonna end up with uh cannibal tribesmen capturing you or some sort of uh, trap set from ancient explorers trying to hide their tracks so they don't know what the tree of life is um but yes it's all just a ruse from frank because he doesn't want anyone to get close to this thing he wants her to give up at any means and it's all just a lie like there's a scene with the tribe where they arrive at and they think they're gonna get killed and or eat killed and eaten sorry but it's really just frank's friends like he just hired them for this to just scare her off because she is Resilient. She has not given up. That's just, this woman is very gun ho about this. And her brother, as he's more of the rational one, is like, please, let's just give up. And he quickly just breaks the pieces. Like, he, he definitely um, pissed himself when the Jaguar was in the bar, let alone if a group of tribes and cosplaying as cannibalistic tribes people, you know, like they're just regular tribe people who happen to have this ornate stuff to make them and a big pot to give you the allure that they're cannibalistic so 
anyone would assume not being knowledgeable of the area. So that's where we're at here. And as they go further, they realize that we meanwhile this is happening. We actually see that uh, this general or captain, Joachim, the leader, the royal prince here, he finds the um, conquistadors trapped in the cave walls of somewhere specific where they're trapped there, and he unleashes them. And then they join forces to find this tree together so that way they can get their freedom back to their, like, maybe just to go to the afterlife, and where he can just grab this power and harness it for himself for Germany. So they take this truce where the enemies link up, and you're like, oh boy, this is gonna get really bad fast. And as they're going through chasing them, they catch up to them in the tribe, and this is where the captain and his whole, I don't want to say armada, there's only a few of them left from the, all, the rest of them survive. Captain Aguirre is there and captures all, everybody and fights Frank, but kills him. And then we find out that Frank is actually alive because Frank, plot twist, is actually a former member of Captain Aguirre's team. He was just not cursed because he actually resisted in taking down the tribe chief that cursed uh, Captain Aguirre. He actually helped to save him. And he was casted out by his people, and those people at the time, the tribe, were like, you know what, we're not going to curse you, but to this extent. So he was able to look normal, where the other guys were set up and trapped because they were going on for endless battles back and forth whenever they met up. They're like two immortals just going at it, him and his team. So Frank had a trap where they were stuck into the walls of this tomb, and that's where they've been, and that's where they got deformed centuries into later into the modern time where they'll look like Captain uh, Davy Jones from the Pirates franchise where they're all covered in natural elements like trees and moss and stuff and they all look like weird decrepit beings like one of them looks like he's covered in bees and honey like they all look morphed and disgusting where he looks the same as before as a regular person he just blended it in it actually created help build the towns so Frank is actually his real name is Francisco Lopez de Heredia the adopted brother of Aguirre, and he's the one of the people that was very much behind this quest to find his tree. But he turned once he realized that his brother had gone corrupt with power, and he's like, "This tree of life is for everyone. It shouldn't just be just the way he went about things was not how he saw it. He was more of a nobleman, where Aguirre went crazy, and that's why they've been eternally rivals ever since. So the whole film gets crazier as they actually find the location. It's somewhere where the river dries up and stone comes to life. It's something about like how the temple is underwater and they unlock it. So that whole thing becomes a great scene where we actually see the tree and it's and it only lights up when the moon hits the like opening of the cave ceiling. And once it doesn't, it just wilts away. So they have this epic battle where Joachim is there and he stole he managed to kidnap her brother, uh, McGregor. And he's with them in the submarine, trying to get the directions of where they were heading because there was so much to happen in this film where they just, where Lily and Frank just, after finding out his truth, they couldn't trust him anymore because he was just too untrustworthy. But then her brother kind of just was back on base, was kidnapped, and, and he's just trying to help the Germans because he doesn't want to get killed by them. But in the, and then I feel bad for Nilo Nemalora because he's just trying to do his job, man. He might be a little shady guy, but at the end of the day, he's just a guy trying to get his rent. And Frank manages to get his whole dock destroyed with the Germans taking up machine guns on their submarine and just dismantling Michael Bay style, this whole base of uh, where all the boat ships and all the 
boats were just stationed. He's like, Frank! And so Frank definitely owes him more than what he actually thinks he does. But in the end, it all works out where they all just get their just desserts. And we thought Frank sacrificed himself to uh, help save the Lily and McGregor as he did because he got stuck in the wall as they all were at a perfect distance that was too far away from the river so they were dragged back and so they're stuck to the wall there because there was a wall there obviously so it's not like they can go through walls they're not ghosts they're just immortal beings cursed to never die and they're stuck in this wall again if Frank was there but I think one of the leaves touched Frank's hand as she grabbed the only leaf because as the tree was wilting away they only managed to save one leaf and it brought back Frank to life and he was like oh my gosh thank you and in the end you realize that once the sun hit this ceiling again with the moon symbols on the, on the cave the tree came back to life again so it wasn't just one and done it's just every time the sun or moon i forget which one it was i'm assuming it's sun because it was broad daylight or maybe it was nighttime it was evening there we go it's the moonlight so once the moonlight it comes and goes it can bring back these leaves up so they this is where she ends up giving this scientific discovery to the scientific group and medicine is gone through this breakthrough and she actually turns down the scientific club and says screw you guys i'm taking my business elsewhere and for this whole thing where her and frank have not seen eye to eye he's stubborn and she is too they like each other and ended up together and the frank was able to live a normal life uh, as a human being not as an immortal because he's brought back with this tree of life to live a normal life and this is the end he moved to london oh through this whole film you get this tease where um McGregor's character, poor guy, is essentially a closeted uh, gay man. And they kind of give hints of it without really saying it much. Uh, so McGregor, he is the younger brother, of course, the little reluctant assistant, but he's so much like a snob. And then when he confesses that he has, um, that he's been disowned from his family for being gay. Remember, this is back in the 19th century, guys. This is way back for acceptance. Even 10 years ago, it was a little bit of taboo to come out in public and make a big announcement. You understand, like, just way back in the days. And the fact that being this over 400 years old understood McGregor being outcast because he himself is outcasted from his group for doing the right thing, he, he understands this guy's pain of being, feeling alone. And they become the best of pals. Again, this movie was amazing. So much fun. So much I left out because there was so much going on. It was more than two hours. It was a perfect movie-going blockbuster experience. Take the whole family. It's so much fun. I mean, there's just so much I left out here. I mean, you, Prince Oakum actually he gets the demise because he turns on the he turns on the uh, the conquistadors who actually get their just desserts and send a swarm of bees to kill him, and he ends up dead. So. He meets his demise for betraying them because he wanted to keep this tree all to himself. And good on him because who needs this uh, guy alive anyways? He's just a corrupt uh, politician in, in the world. And this this is just one of those films where you you like the good guys, you hate the bad guys for being... Like, you like that the bad guys are actually bad. Like, there's just no, like, liking the bad guys. No, this guy's hateful. It just comes off very smug. And then the good characters are very much relatable. They're human, even though one is kind of immortal, but now he's human again. Um, but you have this whole thing where she's essentially a feminist before feminism was a thing, trying to seek equality in the world. And you have Frank, who's a stubborn old guy who's learning new things about the modern world because he's just been living in this jungle the past 100 years, trying to blend in, but not really blending in. He's just being in the outskirts as a shady character. So the fact that he actually was able to change with the times and 
learn to drive in the end of the film that was a cute scene he is able to finally immerse himself in this modern world instead of kind of just pretending that he's out of time because he is a man out of time for sure but if you're able to live a normal life make this one count so I give this movie a full five star review. So good. It had no lulls. It was long, but it didn't feel long. And I just was loving the story. It had a very Disney plot, very straightforward. And of course, the CGI was on, on, phenomenal. It was amazing. And actually, this film is the highest rated film Dwayne Johnson's ever been in. So he was really proud of that, that he was able actually to get something that was loved by the fans and the critics and the box office number this thing made millions it made more than its budget back and i'm glad it did because it deserved it this movie was worth every penny i've never had so much fun in the theaters and i, I can't wait for the next big adventure i mean are we getting a sequel who knows i mean who knows where the story goes from here but as a one-off it is all you need it's amazing and shouts out to the whole casting crew and everyone behind the scenes that helped make it definitely one of the dopest movies i've seen all year so Hands down, it's got a seal of golden approval from me. So, thank y'all for listening. This is another CJR Media Review. I am one Christian Joe Ramos, the podcast mercenary, signing off until next time. Thank y'all for tuning in as always. Take care, stay safe, and have a great day.